We are speaking with one of my uh, favorite vocalists of all time, the one and only Spike from the Choir Boys, or as I first knew them, the London Choir Boys. And so, Spike, as we say here in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? Bonjour. You're in Canada. Yes, in Montreal. And I have seen you here twice at the Rialto and at the Théâtre Outremont. And I don't believe you've been here more than twice. Or, Or if you did, I missed it. Unfortunately, well, uh, Canada. Yeah, I have been many, many, many times because my son is Canadian, and he lives in Hamilton now. Oh wow! And, and my grandson lives there as well. So um, I have been there for a long time in Toronto, but and uh, we've still got a a cottage on Lake Huron in Grand Bend. Oh wow! Well, good. Yeah. Co- that means so you're going to come visit, which means you can. Canada. You can, uh, when you visit, you can uh, call up a couple of the clubs and do a couple of acoustic gigs and just make it a working vacation. I'm, I'm all down well, for that. Well, see, on the 12th, I was due to go out. And then, um, but with your, with the route, I mean, I was, I, I was exempt because of, of, I could get in for the, uh, being, you know, through my son and everything, and my grandson, but um, the quarantine thing wasn't prepared right or something, so I wasn't allowed to go. So I was devastated. Oh wow! You know, because when when we went tour in America, mm-hmm. just just before we'd been we'd been to America, then Australia, then back to America, and then we went tour, and then it all hit when um, I think we were in New Orleans, and then it hit, and, and then we were due to go up to New York and everywhere like that, and and we were like going. All the shows were sold out, but there was getting less and less people there, so it was it was really weird. So it was like, and then I was what I was planning on doing was staying in Canada for three weeks after, because we were due to go to Canada after the last leg of the American tour and do four shows in Canada, and they all got everything had to be cancelled. And then I was going to stay for three weeks with my son and uh, grandson, but obviously, so I was really pissed off about the whole COVID thing. Yeah, I can imagine. We we could we, I couldn't go, basically. So uh you know. Well, but anyway. Well hopefully hopefully we'll get you there. They wouldn't let me in in August either. Oh, God. Now there's some nice bars in there's some nice bars in Grand Bend as well. I could have just got up and played a few acoustic songs. Yeah, and then, and then uh, drive out to Montreal. Have some of our uh, of our uh, food because yep. the restaurants in Montreal are are unbeatable. I know, it's and great, uh, yeah. you know, hey, I'll set up a couple of gigs for you in Montreal and Ottawa. I have that. I have that ability. I'd love, I'd love it. I, I could do that anytime. I love being. There. I love Canada. Oh, I was right. there on a, I was there on and off for the past twenty odd years. Oh wow, that's great you to know? hear. And and I have to cold. say, you know, when you when, cold? go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say. We recorded a lot in Canada. Oh, did you? you? Know? Bob Rock, yeah, and Vancouver. That's why we did the second album. Bitter Sweet and Twisted. Oh, that was a great Bitter, album. Yeah, we, we did. Well, we done that in Vancouver, uh, Los Angeles, Hawaii, <laughs> London, <laughs> all over the place. So uh, that was the that was the days when uh, everybody had. Money to burn, I guess. <laughs> they had budgets. Now, I do want to ask yeah. you about the uh, a bit of what you fancy 30th anniversary, but since you mentioned Bob Rock, 
Uh, yeah. I'm very – yeah, I'm very dialed into to producers. In fact, this morning I emailed Terry Brown to ask him something, you know, who do, who worked with Rush and stuff. And I've I've – in every interview we always talk about Mutt Lang. And we, but Bob Rock's one of those guys also who's at that level. What was that like working with him? And, you know, he's coming off the success of the Black Album. He's coming off the success of the Motley Crue. Did the record company just say – Let's go. Spend some money. Let's make the the choir boys the next big thing. Or did did Bob say, "Man, I like this band. I want to work with them." Like, well, how did that come about? And then, what do you learn from him? Because he's he's a next level producer. He's just not a, a, a knob twister. He's on another plane, another planet. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Um, Bob's a lovely guy. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh... People always go, why does it take so long between the two albums? You know, the first and the second. And unfortunately, Bob was such a famous producer that, and the record company, it was originally going to be Ron Neverson again. We wanted to use Ron Neverson, uh, who who mixed the, the first album. And then, um, obviously, I think with Bob being so famous and big at the time, he was, he was the in thing, wasn't he? So it was like um, every... I was born and the record company really wanted us to work with Bob Rock and he really loved the band. But unfortunately, he was still finishing the Black Album at the time. So we were in Vancouver for months and months and months before we even started anything. So, uh, so let me turn that off. And um, so it was, but, but luckily, the choir boys were, were really big in Canada. So we had a, we had a blast in uh, Vancouver and all the bars and the, you know, the strip clubs and everywhere like that, because every time we walked in at seven o'clock, they used to play us, so it was great. <laughs> well, yeah. You know? and, and, and of course, um, Canadian bars are famous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I couldn't believe it when I first went to Canada. Just to go, to go out for a drink, you go to one of them bars, you know? And it's great when you're a young lad, you know? But, um, no, Bob, Bob's a great guy, you know? And, Unfortunately, it just took a hell of a long time. You know, it took a hell of a long time. We'd had we'd had the album written for a while, and we unfortunately we had to wait for him to finish that album. So we were just, um, you know, we were just sitting around for ages, really waiting. And then we ended up going to Hawaii, then we ended up going to London, and then all the other places. And uh, so, but it was it was an adventure, and. Uh, we had a good time, and then when we actually got the album back, when we heard the album, what we did, unfortunately, it just wasn't us, what we heard. So um, we went back to London, and we didn't get Ron Neverson, but we got a guy called Chris Craig to redo it, who'd done all the Rolling Stones. You yeah. know, he'd done the girls and stuff like that. So we went back in, uh, we went back in, and recorded a few different songs and we remixed it as well so uh but i seen Bob, uh, we played with Bob the Hoople well um sorry uh the guys are in uh, in a band with Joe Elliott Joe Elliott used uh, down, and down, down and out down and out yeah and we played with Mott the Hoople and um oh, they played with Mott the Hoople I got up and sang a song with them at the Hammersmith Audion and Bob was there right. so it was great to see him and I give him a couple of backstage passes to come back and meet uh, Mott the Hoople with us. So, 
See, it all works yeah. out. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about the uh, about your your trajectory because your your first album, which is what yeah. we're celebrating thirty years of, you had a chance to work with uh, George Tutko, who had done a, a bunch of stuff with Duran Duran and bands like that. You had uh, Jim uh, Cregan, who also did stuff with Rod Stewart and stuff. I mean, uh, he, I, I never knew George worked with Duran Duran. Yeah, of course he did. Did he? Yeah, on oh, Arena. Oh, do you know what? That's so funny because I've just remembered now because I'm playing on Wednesday the 15th yeah. in Newcastle, my hometown, with Andy Taylor. Oh, there's another interview I'd know, like. <laughs> it reminded me because when he was doing Power Station, George Tucker took me up to, to the, the house in Beverly Hills. Yep. Yeah where Andy Taylor was doing the power station and he, he had the whole house set up in Beverly Hills for, to record the power station. So that's right. I'm so sorry I forgot that. Yeah, so, great, uh, yeah unfortunately yeah. he passed yep, away about three years ago now, I think it was, he passed away. Oh, but Really? You're kidding me. No, no, no. George, George I, I, passed I, away. I, I, um, oh, that's such a shame. He was a lovely guy. He really was. And, and the reason I know is... Uh, there's a band, of course, called Great White. Obviously, you know Great White. They had an yep. album that came out uh, in 2014 or something, and George did uh, did the mix on it. And the Great wow. White guys told me later on uh, he passed away. So he he passed away in. Isn't, in a... isn't that strange? Nobody told me. I, I know that I'm not on the internet that much, but nobody has even mentioned that to me. And it's like because when the choir when the choir was stopped for a while. He done that band God's Hotel with me. He done the first demos with me yeah. as well. So me and George, you know, were always good part. We just totally lost touch. The last thing I heard was he moved to Nashville. Yeah, and while I'm looking it up here, it says uh, George Tutko, engineer, lengthy list of rock and credits, blah blah blah. Bob Dylan, John Mellencamp passed away in his home on March eighth, twenty fifteen, in Nashville, oh, Tennessee, my. six years ago. Wow. And I've sported. I've sported. Um, Jim Cregan a lot. We've never. That's such a shame. Yeah, because wow. he he was brilliant when he engineered some. I mean, listen, all the guys you've worked with are brilliant on their own level, and and yeah. and well, that's one of the things that I want to ask about in terms of working with Jim and working with George and working with Bob. How much did have these guys affected your sound, or were you always just the choir boys and they just had to capture it, or did these guys get in there and say? Let's mold you. Let's let's fix this. Let's let's. Well, the major thing that happened was people forget that the choir. Before we got our record deal, the choir boys, or the queer boys, as we were first known, right? Because that was the original name, Q U E. That's how we we started it off as the queer boys. You know, we were going to be the choir boys with the C. And then I was working on a building site at the time with Guy Bailey, and somebody said to me, they said, oh, you should be called the Queer Boys, not the Choir Boys. <laughs> so we went, great, what a great idea, the Queer Boys, right? Uh, just to piss people off. And it certainly did piss everybody off because we got banned from every university in the country at one point. But that was when we were more popular. And um, so, <coughs> excuse me, um, I've lost my train of thought. What was said? Well, you were talking about the about the name and how you got banned from universities. Yeah, and then, but yeah, sorry. What people forget is that before we done that album, 
1989 and it was released in 1990. Um, we toured for about five, six, seven, well, probably six, seven years in the back of a transit van, you know, and, um, you know, playing any gig that we could get. Well, I mean, I feel sorry for young bands now because that's how you learn your apprenticeship, you know what I mean, of doing all them shows and we played with so many. We played with a lot of punk bands. We played with any, you know, any gigs that we could get. We would do, you know, and that's how. Um, so we'd been on tour that entire time, you know. But the the major thing is like what you were saying about George and uh, Jim Craig, and we'd been through a succession of drummers, right? Um, and and uh, you know, I remember Paul Hornby, who was one of my best friends. Unfortunately, he passed away. But he, he used to wear brilliant clothes, so we used to just... But he couldn't really play the drums that well. <laughs> and uh, we used to... Um, so he was... The, the, what I'm trying to say is when when uh, when we met George and Jim and the drummer that we had at the time, they were like going, lads, you're going to have to, you know, I'm sorry, but change the drummer if you want to continue. And we were like going, no, he's been in the band for yet. We can't do that. We can't do that. And then um, they brought a guy called Ian Wallace down. And uh, they said, well, just have a play with Ian. Ian Wallace. And uh, Ian Wallace had played with Bob Dylan and everybody. And uh, I'm not kidding. It was like a, an experience of like, you know, when you play pool with somebody who's really bad and you play a lot better, you know? Yep. And, oh, uh, yeah. The, it took the band to a different level. It really did. Well, I'm just we looking at really Ian Wallace's uh, pedigree. I mean, you look at Eric Clapton, yeah. Alvin Lee, yes, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Lindsey yeah. Buckingham, Steve Marriott. You just go, yeah, I think yeah. this guy might be good. <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't understand. You know, we were just kids, man. We right. didn't, we, we didn't understand all that at the time, and so it was like, I guess that's what if you count up all the drummers in the choir, I counted them all up, and there was about 27 of them. <laughs> you know, over the years. Still, had. still and less than L.A. guns. Rudy Richmond, our last, uh, the, the, the choir boys drummer who played on Bittersweet and Twisted, Rudy Richmond lives in Canada as well. See? It's a, it's a great place he for... Met, he, met, he met his wife on the choir boys tour bus <laughs> in Canada. See? So that's the way to do it. Now, now, on that first album, because... First of all, I don't know how I ended up buying it. I'm probably by watching videos on Much Music, and I just liked it because I. But uh, talk to me about a little bit about because you really captured lightning in a bottle when you hear Seven O'clock, Man on the Loose, Whipping Boy, Sex Party, Hey You, yeah. and it just keeps going. It's yeah. like a hit parade. Were these songs that you had on those six, seven years that you gently massaged through through the process yeah. on on stage? Well, well, yeah, something like something like seven o'clock. Right. Uh, I, I mean, seven o'clock. I don't love you anymore. A lot of the song I mean, were the first songs that me and Guy Bailey wrote together. And uh, I must admit that when we when we did go to do the album, with uh, and we were in rehearsal, and uh, Jim Cregan said he, he says, you know what? He says the one thing that that song's missing is a chorus, and we never because we never ever had that chorus. We never had it. It's seven o'clock. It was never. We never ever played that. And uh, if you listen to the early demos or whatever, the the chorus is not on. And then one day I says, I says, "What do you mean? There's no chorus." 
because we we like to keep main guys to like to keep everything very simple. And he says, no, you know, it'll, they'll change it. If just could you just try and write? And I, I just I, I just went in the other room. And I went, well, I picked up the guitar and says, hey, what about this? You know, let's yeah, seven o'clock, and that's how it came about. And it's that quick. You know what I mean? Well, so, so there is. It's always good to to write with, uh, you know, to have people's other ideas. I guess when you're young, because you're so headstrong, aren't you? Yeah. You know. But it worked. Yeah. It, it worked out. Now, um, there, there's so much to talk about in the history of the band, from you know working with Ron Nevison, who of course UFO and 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 Sharon managed you. But I want to know about this 30th anniversary edition because. When I saw it on the internet, I bought it right away. And, I, and in fact, you can't see it because we're not on Zoom, but you can hear it. I have it right next to me. It is brilliant. Okay. It is absolutely Good, brilliant. You. I mean, I forget how much I paid for it, 20 pounds or whatever the hell it was. But <laughs> so worth it. So incredibly Good. worth it. Uh, and it says, of course, uh, totally re-recorded and reloaded. Um, talk to me about, about that because, I mean, obviously... There's probably some record company stuff, or you can't get the rights, so you just re-record. I mean, it's probably something like that. I mean, that's sort of why people re-record. But when you get yeah, in I there, mean, I, th I think it, it was a very similar idea to what because the guys play with Joe Elliott all the time. They re-recorded -re their albums, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, and uh, you know you can't to try and get in touch with EMI Polydor anymore that we were on. We were on Polydor. I thought, sorry, it was Polydor Phonogram. I can't remember now. It's such, such a long time ago. But um, that was that was the idea, to just to re-record it and then own the rights again and not really go away from what it originally sounded, you know? That was the whole idea. Yeah, because well, everybody else was doing it. You know? Well, by the way... Sharon, Sharon Osborne re-recorded Ozzy's albums as well, so it was always like... She always said, remember to do that later on. So it was, you know... Well, you should. It's the smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and so and at least we own it now. For for a fan, it's nice to get the current lineup doing this, but you know, there there is always the 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 chance that it doesn't sound as good as. But but this yeah. one is this one's kicking ass. I mean, it really sounds great. So so just just quickly talk to me about that. When you get in there to re-record it, do you start off with the mentality of? Okay, we just got to make it sound like the original, or do you just sort of say, "Listen, we've been playing these songs for thirty years. This guitar yeah. part's better here. This drum feels yeah. better here. Let's just yeah. make it a new version." Yeah. What was the sort of the, the 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 working orders as you started on recording this? That's what we said. Let's just do the you know how it sounds, basically, uh, and then just try and make yeah, you know, not try and make it better, but just keep the keep the vibe going, keep everything happening you know hello yeah uh, yeah i'm here so how do you approach it as the singer knowing that you've now got a new band behind you there's a new drummer a new bass player do they have that same energy or or does that change a little bit of of how you hear it do you know what i don't want to shout anybody's illusions on this right <laughs> <laughs> but i actually just i went in and sang them all in five hours <laughs> well, by the way, I, I think that's great. I, I, did, I, I didn't, um, uh, but you know, you didn't overthink like, it. But no, I just went and sang them. I've been singing them all my life. Right. It was like I, I don't think I did more than two takes of each song. So it was like how 
I couldn't. I, I didn't want to analyze it. I right. couldn't. Um, you know. And I'm sure the guys. You know, it was all. Unfortunately, with lockdown, everything had to be done differently. You know. Right. So it was like, and um, and I was the last person to be on, really, apart from the backing singers, and. Uh, yeah, so that's how we did it, actually, with modern technology. So I just went in, sang them in one day. Which, Could you imagine all the money we we would have saved <laughs> back years ago? Back years ago. <laughs> but, you know, you, you look at the, at some of the classic albums and you hear the stories of Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or, or, or in my case, Poison, yeah. these bands that record their albums in, in 12 hours. You know, the debut album yeah. was done in nine hours and, you know, 50 years later, still well, sounds great. But, it was, but, but, but the thing is, it's so true. When, we, when, we, when we'd done the first album, you, you know, when, when we were in the studio, they were basically all done in one take, you know? And it was like, let's do another... And, but everybody's trying to get more out of you, and we're like going, "Well, the first one's good enough." And and, and honestly, a, a lot of them were. It was like that, and it was just, and, and plus to get any of the band out of the um, rainbow was really hard work. <laughs> <laughs> so we we were just having a good time, you know. And, but you uh, see, that's that's it. You, you got to capture vibe, you know the. Uh, somebody yesterday, you know, as Charlie uh, Charlie Watts passed away, somebody was pointing out that one of the songs started in in a one ten tempo and finished off in a one fifty five, and yeah. in this day and age, they would go pro tool that and auto tune it and fix it and get and get it all. But that's what gives songs charm. That's that's what it's supposed to be, you know. I it's it's funny when that auto tune came out because uh, uh, when it, I know it's even out now. And I was in the studio once, and they were saying, oh, try this, sing out a tune. And I was singing out, and they were like, you can't, if I sing out a tune, you can't fix my voice. Apparently, it splits into so many different, you know, things on the computer that you can't auto-tune it. It's really weird. But can so you imagine... You to have a really... I mean, imagine if auto-tune existed in the 60s. I mean, Ozzy would have been, <laughs> Ozzy would be awful. Uh, David Coverdale yeah. would be awful. Stephen Piercy, Jack yeah. Russell, you. The, all, all your charm would, would would be stripped. I know. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I listened to, when I listened back to the, when I heard the, you know, the first Choir Boys album, it, it, I mean, I was like, oh my God, I sound exhausted. You know, but it was like, I probably was at the time. <laughs> See, and as a reviewer, but, um, I would take your exhaustion and say he sings with a sense of urgency. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was such a wonderful thing to, to, to sing with the, the Water Sisters and and all, you know, and have a real orchestra and all that stuff. It was it was incredible. You know, I was speaking to like Sid, who was the, the leader of the orchestra, was like this guy called Sid, and he'd worked with Frank Sinatra. And all this, and you were like going, "Oh my God!" You know, a, a lad from me from Newcastle, from Newcastle. You know, you are going like, "This is incredible to work with all these people in the brass, and the you know the brass sections that we had, and, and all that type of stuff." It was, it was wonderful. Personally, I prefer to do it like that. When I've done the solo, when you know other records that I've done, I prefer to go in on tape and do it the old-fashioned way. That's how I done the Frankie Miller album that I done, and. Uh, but it, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I can't. You can't tell the difference. You can't tell this. You can't tell that." But I can, because I'm old. 
yeah, well, I, I can tell a difference yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I'm going to ask you the question that, that you've been asked probably a hundred times, but I've never read the answer anywhere, and I'm just curious. Uh, you were yeah. the London choir boys to me. Why did we drop London? And I, I know you've probably been asked this a thousand times, but I've never we, heard yeah. your answer. Well, what, the, the reason was when we went to America, right? America and Japan and Canada, yes. um, there, there was a, in Australia, there's a band in Australia called the Choir Boys, spelled CH. Right. Oh, I are. Right. And, um, and they had been on the billboard charts before us. So, uh, and, that, and the rule was, um, 30 years ago, the rule was that, um, who had ever been on the billboard charts because you couldn't copyright the, the name or anything right. like that. Sort of the unwritten and, rule. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think Sharon offered them something like 120 grand to change the name huh. and they, they wouldn't change the name. And, uh, so we came to agreement that we'd be called, we didn't want to be called Choir Boys UK. There was the same thing like the Mission UK and bands like that. FM UK. So I don't know yeah, if you're, yeah, you know, FM UK. So, <laughs> so they called, the agreement was, so we said we'll call ourselves the, uh, the you know, we're not, none of us are even from London. I don't know why that came about, but it was Guy Bailey's idea. So let's call ourselves the London Choir Boys instead of Choir Boys UK, and they were going to be called The Choir in Europe. And then, about a year later, I bumped into one of the guys out of the band from the Australian Choir Boys, and they were like, God, man, I wish I took the money. I said, well, this is the record company just dropped one. <laughs> so we, we, we really didn't need to do that. And we'd just been to Australia. Nobody, we, we, we didn't even use the London. And they're still playing. So... Uh, you know, it was basically radio and stuff like that, so people wouldn't know. But it was, gotcha. um, yeah, it was all it was entirely up to Sharon. She sorted all that out. But yeah. um, it was a shame. But that's, I don't, we don't really use, we, even when we play in America now, we don't use London. When we've, we've been back and done the rock cruises and everything, it's just the choir boys now. I know, but you know, I'm old and yeah. I bought the first album, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I still call yeah. you the London Choir Boys. Well, and that's I, good, yeah. And I'm looking at the 30th anniversary right in front of me, the the, the new version, and it, it it seems naked without the London there. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get some especially done for you. Yeah, maybe I'll we'll, I'll get a sharpie. Maybe. Maybe we might have to do that in uh, abroad. I don't know still, but we haven't. We've never. We haven't released anything out. Um, you know, I don't know how it works though. But. As, as silly as it may sound, in this day and age of interesting yeah. merchandising, you might want to make like two hundred and fifty available signed editions and sell them for double the price. And I'm sure you'd sell out just <laughs> for shits and giggles. Okay. Yeah. You know, because yeah. fans like. Yeah. Fans like the little knickknacks and thing. yeah, the original thing. And this yeah. might sound silly, but I bought this, and if you did that, I would rebuy it because mm. just just for shits and giggles, I would just rebuy well, that's it. That's good. So yeah, uh, how was it working with Sharon? There, there seems to be two camps: a, she's brilliant and she helped us greatly, or b, well, we know how b goes. Uh, are you a or b? Was she brilliant? Sorry, I, I, I can't hear what you said. Say that again. Sure. Working with Sharon Osborne. Oh, Sharon. Yeah, there, there, there's two yeah. camps on Sharon. The, the first camp is yeah. she was great. She was in our, you know, she was she she fought for us. She got us great stuff. 
And then there's the second camp that says, eh, are you are you in the camp A or are you in camp B or a little bit of both? Well, well you, you gotta you gotta remember. Right. I, I think I was about nine, 20, 19 or twenty at the time, or twenty twenty one. I can't remember around that time. But um, we had every manager in the world after, you know. And the one thing about Sharon was at the time she only ever she only managed Aussie. Oh, sorry, in Little Ford, and um, with every other manager seemed to have about. 10, 15, 20 acts, you know what I mean? And they're all American. So it was a bit like, we're going to get lost in this, you know? And Sharon was so keen and, you know, you know, she, she said the right things at the right time. And, um, and she got us a great deal and made us, you know, it was, it was really good. So, you know, I can only thank her because of what we, I mean, if it hadn't been for Sharon, we, we could have ended up touring America for years. But we ended up touring all over Europe, everywhere, you know, and that's been our bread and butter since we've, we reformed as playing Europe and everywhere like that, you know. I mean, we play America, you know, once every few years, but not, not to the extent of what we do in Europe and Scandinavia and everywhere else in the world, you know. So uh, it was it was hard work. You know, we've been carrying on from me and Guy had been carrying on. Me and Guy Bailey had been carrying on from when we had already been playing the clubs and playing everywhere. And so it was like me and him had never ever really stopped, you know. And that was why that when we got onto the second album, and I mean, we didn't have even anywhere to live, you know. We were like, this has to stop at some point because we were nearly killing ourselves, you know. But um, yeah. So. It's no, Sharon was. She, I can't complain about Sharon. And then after Sharon, hmm. there was uh, Steve Barnett who done Steve Barnett and Stuart Young, who done ACDC. And then you know that was our. But Sharon was with us for a long time, you know. So. Well, listen. Hey, uh, and if you, and, and by the way, if you think I'm going to say anything bad about her, you get another <laughs> thing coming because I know what she can do. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all know what she can do, but no, she yeah. listen. You'll if have, if, if it wasn't, you left. You have to wait for the book. <laughs> <laughs> the the posthumous book, right? Uh, uh, the, the posthumous book. Where where I tell the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I, I'm sure that her connections uh, didn't hurt. Uh, on the first uh, on the first album because no. uh, th- here we are thirty years later still talking about it. Well, and do you know what we were, we were on tour in America? Yeah, and one thing I'll never forget: we were on tour with the LA Guns in America, and and in them days he didn't have mobile phones, and I used to call home every like you know every like, two or three times a week. And my dad said to me, he says, "Hey, he says the Rolling Stones are playing St James's Park, which is in Newcastle, where I'm from." And I was like, you're kidding me. And I was like, oh, we're on tour in America around that time. So I rang up Sharon. I said, Sharon, I said, hey, could you have a look to see if we could play with the Rolling Stones at St. James's Park? Because that would be my dream come true. Because, you know, I mean, you were huge football fans in Newcastle, you know. And um, she pulled it off, man. She pulled it off. We were playing in New York. We flew in from New York. And uh, we were there for two days. Flew straight back out, back on, played with the Rolling Stones. We actually done a video that day as well. So there she goes again, and uh, a, a video that I've never seen, by the way. And uh, what what happened to it? Then, uh, do you know what I don't know? There's a few videos that have been lost. The first video we done three videos for seven o'clock, 
and uh, the second vi- the, the the first video was deemed uh, MTV wouldn't should. So um, we had to go back and do another video, but the, that video was um, there was a lot of porn stars, and uh, basically what we done was we had a and strippers as you do when you're uh, in Los Angeles in Hollywood, and um, that video was um, basically a party, a massive, massive party. We, you know, there's nobody paid to come. It was all people from the Rainbow and just people in Hollywood at the time. And it was uh, the most raucous video you've you've seen by a band at that time. And um, unfortunately, it was like you can't use that. You can't use that. MTV won't play that. <laughs> so, but fast so forward to 2021, and if you're looking for some new product to put out, the video collection is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that video. Yeah, there's the there's the yeah. next project. To, you know, put together a DVD with all the unreleased videos. I'm, yeah, huh? you know. Well, um, if I could, the thing is that none of us have seen it. Yet. Well, like, you know, we haven't seen it um, since it was done. So I don't know where the hell it is, and nobody can find it. Plus, there she goes again. Video, nobody can find that either. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that nobody knows where it is. You know. It's amazing. So, Lost in the in the uh, EMI vaults. Um, last album, Amazing Disgrace, came out in 2019. Another great record with a great sound. Uh, where are we in terms of, of new records? Because every time you put one out, it's just a moment of joy. So uh, where are... I mean, lockdown and, and not touring probably slows the process down a bit. But uh, yeah, do we see something in 2022, perhaps? I would think so. I mean, the thing is, we've we've been we've been pretty good at releasing stuff quite frequently over the past few years, and um, it's just the the Cowboys tour so much. It's so hard to get stuff in, you know. And then, but when we do do it, it's it doesn't take long, and it's it's very. I mean, the last time we did it at Rockfield, which is is a wonderful studio where you know, obviously. It's a very famous studio where, we, you know, like Queen and Ed Zeppelin. I mean, everybody's recorded there. It's, it was the most, uh, Kinsley owns it. It was the first live-in studio it's in, in, in uh, Wales. And um, so that's where we went to do that. And it, it was an, an amazing time. You know, just it only took us like 10 days, I think, to do that album. And we actually write it, we wrote it, and recorded it in ten days. So we didn't actually have any songs because we'd been on tour. So we See? actually wrote the songs when we were there. But it's quite. No. But when you've got to do something, you do it, you know. And and, and that's yeah. what I like. I, I don't like albums that take fourteen years to put out. I, I like that yeah. old Black Sabbath. We got nine well, hours. I, let's punch it out. I love that. That's. Well, I've got friends, you know, I've got lots of friends who are musicians and who write all the time, you know, and the, the, I think that when me and Griff write, it's it's more like we save everything up and then just go in and say, hey, what, have you got anything? And then we just, we do it like that, you know, and, and it seems to always work, you know, so it's not like... Um, I don't sit around writing songs every day, you know what I mean? But you, you do keep notes of things, you keep things in the memory bank and 
go like, oh, that'd be a good title. This would be good. You know what I mean? So they did it. So if you if you tell me I've got to go in the studio next week to do an album, I'll have an album. I'll I'll record that. I'll record an album for you. You know what I mean? That's how it. Uh, that's how we seem to do it. Well, you know, that's, that's how it's, it's done. Worked, it's always worked. It's always worked. Same with me. You know, I've only written with really with Guy Bailey and Guy Griffin, two guys, and it always seems to work out really good. So uh, that's that's the way the, the choir boys have done it all the time, anyway. Well, you, you, you keep doing it here. I'm just going to ask you this. One last question. Uh, the person that uh, connected us uh, today said yeah. to me, he said, listen, ask Spike about the solo album, It's a Treat to Be Alive, which, by the way, I did buy, and I still have downstairs. Okay. He says it's his favorite album ever. So just talk to me about that and, and doing solo albums because... You know, you're in the choir, boys. It's you and and you know you're you're like the the one original member or two, one of two. Why do solo albums? Why not just call them choir boy albums? Why differentiate? Well, at the time, right, um, we weren't playing. The choir boys weren't playing. Okay, and um, I would had a break or something like that. I can't. I, I, do you know what? No, actually, I'm getting totally confused here. What happened was. I'd came back from America and I'd been offered a, a solo deal and um, the choir boys weren't playing at all. And so I I met up with Paul Guerin and Keith Weir. Me and Paul wrote a few songs together. We went in the studio and um, Keith Weir, and that, that's how Paul and Keith ended up being in the choir boys through that album. There was... Um, uh, so that's how that's how they ended up touring with us and being in the choir boys through my solo album. And Michael Lee was playing on the drums, who ended up playing on the choir boys, who played with Page and Plant and Little Angels and everybody. And uh, some, you know, it was, it was great. That was done in um, Newcastle at a studio, and we. we um, it was such a, a great. You know, we we all got on so well that uh, when the choir boys. You know, reformed and everything. We, we that's that was the band that we used after um, this is rock and roll. So that's how it all came about. Well, it, it, it all and keep paid dividends because bands yeah, sounding so, good and that that album's good. That's how it all came about, actually. Yeah. yeah. I will. Uh, I will end on this. I I interviewed Bonnie Tyler about a month ago. Are you kidding me? That's brilliant. Oh, she was great. <laughs> she she was it's great. great and it's funny because uh, she she spent her time telling me about how Def Leppard's Hysteria is her favorite album of all time, and how she drives around in the car listening to Hysteria, and, and I just never oh, wow. I just never pictured Bonnie Tyler being a huge Def Leppard fan. But hey, here we are, <laughs> here we are. But um, Bonnie Bonnie is one of the most wonderful women you could ever wish to meet. You know, she's she's absolutely brilliant. It was funny because when we when we done the duet together, yep. we done the duet on um, 100% Pure Frankie Miller. Yep, Fortune. And dedicated Fortune, yeah. to a, dedicated to Andy Fraser. Let's not forget. Well, Andy Fraser played on it. Yep. It yep. was Andy Fraser and Simon Kirk, and uh, oh, wow. I think Ronnie Woods on that one as well. Oh wow! That I did not Ronnie, know. Ronnie's on that. Ian Hunter's on it playing the piano. Oh wow! I think well, and um, but um. It was funny because when I 
I first done the song, I took it. I took it to me mum. When I, you know, the, the first, you know, the cop, the first um, copy of it, and I says, I says, hey mum, what do you think of this? I says, because she didn't. My mum didn't realise who Simon Kirk was or Andy Fraser. Or she did, she barely knew who Ronnie Wood was or. Oh, she never, you know, she didn't know who Ian Hunter was, but she knew who Bonnie Taylor was. And I says, Mom, have a listen to this. I says, it's me singing with Bonnie Taylor. And she went, uh, she went, oh, this is amazing. This is brilliant. She went, which bit's you? <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. And you know what? When I, when I was when I went back mixing Tommy, I was I was getting a bit confused as well at certain points. <laughs> but it, listen, it, it's it's a great sounding song. It's like, I, 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 do you know what that that song is played at more weddings in 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 the UK than I think that uh, Robbie Williams' Angels at the minute. It's been it's a very popular song that uh, everybody plays at the weddings all the time. And I've just I've just been on tour I've, from lockdown. Yep. I went out and played some acoustic shows uh, with me and a friend of mine, Chris Alman. Yeah. To limited audiences because of the lockdown where you have to sit at a table and everything like that. And I've been playing that song every every night and it's it is the most simplest but most beautiful song that anybody could wish to hear. It's it's so wonderful and uh and it was such an honor to have her sing it with me, you know? Yeah, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll remind folks, go go to YouTube right now and, and find Spike doing fortune featuring bonnie tyler and it's it's on bonnie yeah. tyler's official uh, youtube and i'm sure you can just find another yeah. but i i posted that link on my socials and i shared it with folks and the response yeah. i got was wow didn't know this existed absolutely fantastic this is good. you know thank you for thank you for sharing and, yeah. and people loved it the reaction was was all positive it's such a shame that that, that album wasn't promoted properly because it was. I, I think it's one of the best sounding, and uh, it's all songs by Frankie Miller. Yeah, and it's uh, but it's songs that nobody had ever heard. It, what I'm uh, during that time when I done um, uh, "It's a Treat to Be Alive," I, I covered um, a couple of Frankie Miller songs, and then through that, Annette Miller, who's Frankie's wife, she found out. And then she started coming to Choir Boys shows. We became really good friends. And um, she said, you know, I've, I've got like about three, 400 songs that Frankie has never released. And, and um, you know, from the from the 70s up until the 90s. And, and I was like, you're kidding me. And she went, some songs are finished, some aren't. And, um, and I says, well, she says, do you want to have a listen to them? So I, I went through all these songs. And, and for, I, I had to pick like 15. I think I've done twenty, but only fifteen on the album. But these nobody had ever heard these songs before. They'd never been released, and that was the whole idea. I'd love to do another album. There's about four or five albums there to do of songs that nobody's ever heard by Frankie Miller, and uh, it, you know that, that, that actually that was the first time because I, I, I through modern technology, right? How I recorded that album. I did it with a click, just me and an acoustic guitar. And then I sent that to Simon Kirk in New York. And he played the drums on it. And I got them back. And then I sent that off to um, Andy Fraser in Los Angeles. And he played the bass on it. And it was the first time in 40 years they played together. And it was such a shame because we, 
we, we were going to, we were actually going to tour this. We were going to, we, we played live at Sweden Rock. Sorry, I'm digressing, but I'm, I'm just saying that the, how we done that album was this. It was through modern technology that we all played. Everybody just sent me the stuff back on the computer, and then what I done was I went into Rockfield Studios and I took it all off the computer and put it all. And at this point, the phone connection dropped, but let's get Spike right back on the phone and let's continue this conversation. Yeah. What happened was, we decided, I got offered to do, um, so it was, it was going to be Simon Kirk. Mm-hmm. What happened was, it was originally, Frankie's band was called Frankie Miller's Free, Frankie Miller's Full House. So, Luke Morley from Thunder played on the album. Ronnie Wood Wait, played on, hold on it. Luke Morley plays on this? Yeah, he played. Luke Damn. Yeah. And Luke Morley is one of the most underrated guitarists in the history of rock. That motherfucker can yeah. play. Oh, he's brilliant. I'm, play, I'm playing with Luke on um, in, in a couple of weeks. Oh, Th- Thunder is one of my favorite bands of all time. And yeah, you, no, you don't hear a lot of Canadians know, we, say that, but such a great yeah, band. I, I actually got up to sing with them in Canada. Really? Luke's been one of my Luke's one of my oldest friends. I'm playing with him on the fifteenth of September in Newcastle for a Teenage Cancer Trust with oh, Andy wow. Taylor from Duran Duran, and uh, we're doing a gig there. But so what happened was when I released the album, um, the guy who runs Sweden Rock, he asked if we would do a show in Sweden Rock, and so at the time, Simon Kirk, Andy Fraser, Luke Morley. Uh, um, and uh, Mark, who, who's the piano player in Magnum, he that was the band. But then two, so we we had this whole. So we done. We were going to do Sweden Rock, and then twelve shows around it in the UK and Europe. And um, unfortunately, two weeks before the, the the Sweden Rock show, Andy Fraser died. So we had to get a stand-in bass, but we were like, well, should we continue the tour? And we said, oh, let's just do Sweden Rock in one show in England. And Luke Morley played, and uh, actually, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can absolutely hear you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and so um, so what we done was, luckily, we were, it was all filmed. The, the re- recording of it, the rehearsals, of, of everything, like a documentary, and uh, the live at Sweden Rock is going to come out at the end of the year. So it's it's called Spike's Free House instead of Frankie Miller's Full House because we're playing half free songs. So we do like My Brother Jake, all you know, all the free hits, all right now, everything like that, and uh, and then we do half Frankie Miller because it was, you know, so because it was going to be two members of free for the first time in forty years. And it, you know, and obviously the Frankie Miller stuff. So it was, and it was a wonderful day. It was, it was such a shame that he passed away, but um, we went ahead and done Sweden Rock in the end, and it's recorded, and it's going to be out as a live album at the end of the year. Oh wow! Now is it a so? It's, it, is it going to be a Spike live album, or does it is it called something else because of all these other it's, players? Yeah, it's called, no, it's called Spike's Free House. Oh. Oh, that's the, that's the name of the band for the evening. Spike's Free House. You're going to start costing because me Frank, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, because Frankie Miller's band was called Frankie Miller's Full House, but since so we had two members of Free, 
let's call it, and we're playing half free songs, I thought, let's do a twist on it and call it Spike's Freehouse. You see what I mean? Yeah. 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 So that's coming out later. And, uh, yeah, look, there's some great guitar on it. I've known Luke, I've, I've known Luke since we started the, the Queer Boys. He was in Terraplane. I remember Terraplane. Uh, so, yeah, we've been, and Danny, we're all very good friends and been together for a long time. Well, I've got to say, uh, All the Right yeah. Noises, their latest album, is so incredibly good. And I had a chance to interview yeah. Danny for it. And it's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Danny's, Danny's great. And he is, and uh, you're... He's one you're, of the best. He's one of the greatest rock singers of all time. And what I find remarkable yeah. about Danny is that he actually sounds better today than he did on Backstreet Symphony. And that's not an insult. He sounded great on Backstreet yeah. Symphony. But his yeah. voice has, it's got such textures now and, and, and such, it's he's just like, He's like better. a fine wine. He's like me. Yes, absolutely. We all, we all get better as we get older. Well, it's... See, it's the thing is, we didn't die. That's the thing. <laughs> and, and you know what? I think part of what, what it is with UK bands is that you didn't spend your time like a lot of the American 80 bands screaming at the top of your lungs and hitting octaves that were off the chart. You always sort of kept it in check and I think your voice is preserved because of it, because you all sound great at, well, as, as you've gotten you know, older. I, there's a lot of bands out there now that detune yeah. and do all that stuff. And I was like, the day that I detune, then, then I'm packing in. You know, it's like, keep it, you know, Chuck Berry, Mick Jagger doesn't detune. You know what I mean? you you got to keep keep it going like that. I, I just, I can't see that if, if, if it was up to... If, that happened to me, then I'd just pack in, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, no, I love Thunder. We've played so many shows together over the years, you know. They've got up and sang, played with us. Well, I've got up and sang with them, and we've done a lot of things together. And uh, and on Wednesday, the, on uh, Wednesday the 15th of September, I'm playing with Luke acoustically. And then Andy, Fraser, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran's doing a gig for Teenage Cancer Trust in Newcastle at Wyland Brewery. So put that out there. Oh, that I'll put out there. And uh, yeah. I've, actually, I've actually interviewed Luke once, and it was for, I guess it was the Rip It Out album, or, or, or I guess it was the last one, before this one. Right. But uh, feel free to give uh, Andy Taylor my number, because I'd love to interview him. only met him once in 2005, I guess it was. Long of course time. I will. I'll, I'll see him in a couple of weeks. I'll, of course, I'll, do you want, I'll get his number now. Oh, or whatever. Uh, yeah, well, um, I'd love to interview yeah. him. That, that would be great. Okay. And uh, by the way, I just ordered your 100% um, uh, pure Frankie Miller. There you go. Okay. okay. It says, according to Amazon, it says estimated delivery September 8th. So there you go. I, I took okay. I took the time to put my money where my, uh, my mouth is. And, and oh, I, I, I bought oh, the okay. son of a gun. So there you go. I hope you enjoy it. Some of the songs, I mean... Don't care. I'll enjoy it. But I, I would love to do another album of that. It's so cool. And I'll tell you why I'll enjoy it. Because for me, it's all about the voice. You know, I love Joe Elliott. I love Spike. I love Danny Bowes. I love uh, Steve Lee of Gothard. If it's got the voice, regardless of, of the music behind it, it can have a million mistakes. If the if the voice is there, I'm have, in. You, have you never have you never listened to Frankie Miller? 
Well, of course, in passing, like everybody else, you know, yeah. you see it on TV. Yeah, so, but I don't have I don't have Frankie Miller uh, yeah. a collection but, but at he, home. He, he he's one of the greatest singers of all time. I mean, he's Rod Stewart's favorite singer. Well, you you know, Rod, Rod Rod is. I mean, that's you know, Rod Stewart because he's the greatest singer of all time. And I think that Danny, I think everybody who, if you're a singer, everybody goes, he was one of the greatest singers of all time. I'm gonna have you know, to go. Sp- Spend yeah. more attention to him because I mean I've, yeah. I've heard the name in passing and I've seen it in you know movies and TV and yeah. but I've never sort of he, sat yeah, down and he, studied. And plus, plus he, he's also one of the greatest song. He, he wrote so many songs for country. He, you know, I went around. He's, unfortunately, Frankie had a brain hemorrhage, right? And that's why I ended up doing this album because Frankie can't really talk anymore and uh, he can't sing anymore, and that's what the reason that I done the album. I mean, everybody he's still alive. And everybody can't sing anymore, so it was like it was such an honor for me to get, but for Annette to say, "Hey, would you would you like to do this? Do these you know pick these songs, do this this whole thing?" And and it was it was wonderful, you know. And that's how I sang with Bonnie because Bonnie was such a good friend of Frankie's as well. And yeah. and and Bonnie, just like you, was such a terrific interview. She was so incredibly gracious and funny and. And are you still recording this? I, 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 yeah, I, I turned it back on to hear the, the story about. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I did. I, I just think Bonnie is one of. Because she, I have been around every rock band in the world, you know, from Bon Jovi to the Stones to everybody. But uh, I think Bonnie could out drink all of us, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but she's such a she's just such yeah, a lovable lady. She's great. I love her. Um, on that, as we say in uh, in Montreal, merci beaucoup. And folks, thirtieth uh, anniversary, uh, totally re-recorded and reloaded. A bit of what you fancy uh, available now, and it is oh, and, money and well way, spent. If you, if you want, if you want, if you mention stuff like that, I've just released um, an album called So Called Friends. With a oh. DVD of an evening of Frankie Miller, which I recorded during lockdown. There's a DVD of me playing um, songs by Frankie Miller off, off my album, 100% Pure Frankie Miller, yep. live on a DVD. And there's also the so called Friends, has, it was um, originally released in about 2000, and, I don't know, 2004 or something, but I, I got the rights back and I've re released it because it was never really out there. I don't think anybody knew about it. And there's about three or four songs on that at Frankie Miller's as well. Oh, wow. So Look that's at that. out now. It's still called Friends. So it'll be on my website, spikechoirboys.com. Dot com. Right. I, I will direct everybody the, to that. The album, also the album I've done in lockdown, which is uh, uh, the Late Night Songbook, which is just me playing the acoustic guitar and also has a DVD with it, me playing this stuff. So now, check it, it out. is that on Off Your Rocker or is that on, on the Spike website? on the Spike website it's oh. through uh, Villains Merch which is a, um, a, you can you can find it on spikechoirboys.com alright I will send everybody over to uh, spikechoirboys.com we'll pick all that yeah. stuff up and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. thank you for, for 30 years of great music and, and that debut is just it's just one of the greatest debuts it's fun that's that's what I like about that it's yeah. fun you can be in a bad mood and then you put that on and you go <laughs> I'm okay now and um, yeah, and if if you can help me set up an, an Andy Taylor interview, that would be uh, fantastic I will, as well. I will do, I'll, I'll sort that out tomorrow for you. Is, Thank I'll you. Keep, I'll save your, is this your 
save it in here, yeah? You can save it. Yeah. Is this the number to call you on? Well, this is the uh, this is the um, uh, uh, Skype number. I can give you my number if you want, or or if you just go Mitch at dot com. That's my email, but that's uh, you know. Okay. Well, I, if you if you text me your phone number, I'll I'll I'd rather text. Oh. Luckily, all my family lives in Canada, so I, I can call you for free. Oh, there you I've go. I've got that click up the app. I'll be phone. Let me see. <laughs> so I it, I've never texted England. Let me see if I. Dial in the. Oh, actually, I have texted before. Look at that. <laughs> do you have an iPhone? I do. Let me see here. But it's free. It's free to text on iPhone. Uh, let's see here. I, I, I'll type this number in and I'll just say uh, hello and, and uh, I'll get it. Uh, I'll send you a text and we'll see because, uh, yeah, I mean, Andy is. The the you know everybody thinks of Andy as the guy from Duran Duran, but but his because he is, but the production that he's put together on well, Backstreet he, he, Symphony, he, he, yeah, he produced his first album, yeah. That's why they're playing. That's why we're all playing together in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Sorry, yeah, and and of yeah. course uh, his his album Thunder and his stuff beyond yeah. Girls on Film and Rio, he he's just. Just he's just brilliant. I mean, there's no other word. For it. He's just brilliant. That that's he's Andy. Very talented guy. He's from the same place as me as well. You know, he's from Newcastle as well. Yeah, and he's got a, a solo album coming out later this year. Whoops. Yeah. The, is, yeah. There you go. That that. Well, the, my, the, the guy who used to manage me. Yeah. In Newcastle, not the choir boys, but me. Who unfortunately passed away. Managed Andy Taylor as well. Because we're all from Newcastle, we all oh. stick together. Well, you know, <laughs> sorry, the dog is having a a moment in the back here, but 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 that's that's uh, see that's what I like about uh, about the rock community, and that's and I seem to get a bigger yeah. sense of that from the UK community, is that you all stick together. Well, you know what, everybody, because we all, especially bands like Thunder, and the Dogs to More. All the, all the bands, we we all started off together. You know, we all started off together, and we all we're all still friends now. I mean, that's why Luke played T- Tyler. I've done so many hot knives. Uh, me and Tyler from the Dogs Demo have a band called the Hot Knives, and we've done a few albums. And the T- Tyler's just made me a new guitar. I mean, Tyler's one of my best friends. You know, and uh, so. Everybody has. Uh, it's 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 not like what the American bands. I'm, I'm not. But then on the other hand, I've got so many friends from the American bands, like the LA Guns, Guns and Roses. We toured with a lot. And yeah. Everybody, you know. And I do them rock. We do them rock cruises every year, out of uh, Florida to the Bahamas and all that. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, the love that the American bands are lovely as well, but it seems to me. That the American bands are always competing with the other bands. They they have to be bigger, better, brighter. But whereas the UK bands seem to just be, hey, we're on a bill together. Let's hang out and have a good time. It it just yeah. it it there doesn't seem to be. Oh, Thunder put out a new album. I'm bastards. I got to do better. Like there doesn't seem to be that. And that's what no, I like. No, no. Yeah. We all take the piss out. We all take the piss out of each other. Yes. Yes. You know, we we all have, especially the songwriting and everything like that. We're always like, oh, I've done, I'm like, I like, Danny goes, to, Luke goes to me, he says, oh, 
you've mentioned heart too many times in your songs. And I says, hey, I says, excuse me, how many doors have you walked through lately? He <laughs> 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 said, I don't mention doors. I says, hold on a second. Look, you've mentioned doors. <laughs> you've walked through this door. You went to... It's true. <laughs> It's, oh my God, I do mention dogs, and then I went, oh my God, I do mention <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, now, what we need before it's all said and done is a, a Danny Bowes Spike duet on anything. I don't care what it is. Just It just There's needs one. to happen. Where? There's one on YouTube. It sings there with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, on YouTube, but I mean uh, an original yeah. song on an album. We need, we need, we need oh, that. Yeah. We need that. I'll but, ask him. I'll ask him. He loves Frankie Miller. We've we've sang together loads of times. We, we've sang uh, we sang on in Iceland together. We sang everywhere together. <laughs> we need a we need a recorded a recorded version, CD. Yeah, I'll ask him. There you yeah. go. Uh, there we go. As we as we say in Montreal, uh, merci beaucoup. Thank you so so okay, much. Paul. And uh, I will have this up in the next uh, couple of weeks, okay. and uh, we'll Did, keep promoting do, the band. Do me a favor. Do me a favor and take all me stuttering out, will you? Absolutely. I will do my best. Okay. Make make it sound good. I, well, I'll know. When, when I go, when I when I lost my train of thought, and I'm going, what the fuck? <laughs> we will we will clean it up and uh, give the fans the best. And uh, I, I don't know if you got my text, but I sent one over. So let me know about uh, about Andy. But thank Hi. you for thank you for your time today. Absolutely gracious. You too. God bless you. You too. When I come to Canada in the next few months, I'll give you a call. Absolutely. Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll show you around Montreal. And one of my great friends is the top DJ in Hamilton, in Toronto, and happens to also be the top DJ in Montreal. He's, he's in three oh, markets. Really? Yeah. guy named Jeremy White. He's, uh, he's Montreal's number one on-air personality. He just started in July in Toronto and in Hamilton. So he does... Three shows a day in three markets. Oh. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get him to spin some of your stuff, too. Yes, send him fortune. Abs- oh, absolutely, we'll do. Yeah. Consider it done. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good day. Hey, God bless you. You Thank too. You. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. God bless. God bless. A- absolutely.